Welcome back to the Asymptote Podcast, featuring interviews and readings from the latest issue of our online journal. I'm Steve Lehman, and this is my last episode as the podcast editor for Asymptote. It's been a great year, but it's time for me to move on to the next adventure. So I'm very excited to introduce my final guest of the show, the Ethiopian writer, translator, and Asymptote contributor, Bethlehem Atfield. Bethlehem's translation from Amharic of Mulugeta Alabacho's story, Heaven Without Prickly Pears, was released in the summer 2021 issue of Asymptote. Her first full-length translation, The Lost Spell by Yuzmaka Warku, is coming out soon. She's also translated Adam Reita's short story, Requiem for Potatoes, as the host of the podcast Journey to Ethiopia with a Story, and has just started a PhD in literary translation at the University of Birmingham. Her translation of Tadalech Haile Mikael's autobiographical story, entitled Who is the Judge, will appear in Asymptote's Fall 2021 issue this October. Stay until the end of the interview to hear an excerpt of Heaven Without Prickly Pears, read first in the original Amharic by Mulugeta Alabacho, followed by a reading of the English translation by Bethlehem. You can check out the full story at asymptotejournal.com. Here's my conversation with Bethlehem Atfield. Hi, Bethlehem. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, hi, Steve. It's a pleasure to be on your show. In a previous interview, you said that you've worked for NGOs and the UN on human rights advocacy, and that you also have experience running private businesses in Asia and Africa. What brought you to translation and writing as a career? Um, right. Um, my family and I um, move um, from country to country almost every three, four years because of my husband's job, um, which is in development. Um, so we move uh, into different African countries, Asian countries. But then um, uh, we decided to move to the UK um, uh, for a couple of years. And all of my experiences <laughs> were not very relevant when I tried to find work there. So I really didn't know what to do. Um, so I, I thought uh, my language squ- skills were good. So I um, studied interpreting and um, translation and started uh, doing uh, freelance interpretation and uh, translation. That's how I started. But then because by the time I started um, doing that for community uh, level um, for immigrants and um, and um, newspapers and stuff, and then I thought, oh, I might as well do it um, uh, with literature because literature is something I really love. So why can't I translate books? And um, yeah, I gave it a go and I loved it. <laughs> And you are currently a PhD student, correct, in literary translation um, at the University of Birmingham. Can you talk a bit about your work there? Um, I'm just about to start it. Um, Last week was actually um, my first week. Oh, cool. Um, So, yeah, the way I decided um, to do PhD um, was um, when I was doing interpretation and translation in um, the UK, um, I did uh, an online course um, in what's called uh, Deep Trans. It's it's 
it's labeled as um, the golden uh, qualification for translators in uh, in the UK. And I wanted to sit for the exam and um, the exam board couldn't actually find me anyone to assess my work. And I was very disappointed. And I found out that there was a huge void in that uh, area. So I thought um, instead of um, the professional qualification, I might as well do it uh, at academic level so I can make a change. You know, I can do, I can train people, I can teach, I can do research. And I thought because there was a big void, that's uh, where I should be going. And when you say um, there was a void, do you mean in Amharic translations specifically or um, broader than that? Um, on people who had taken Amharic translation to international languages at a higher level, enough to be able to supervise, um, like I wanted supervision for my or assessment for my um, deep trans exam, and I just couldn't find anyone. Even when I was looking for supervisors, um, my lead supervisor at Birmingham um, doesn't have Amharic background. So I had to find a co um, um, supervisor from the US, um, somebody who is um, uh, a specialist in Ethiopian literature from Princeton University. So that, that's how much there is um, um, a lack of uh, uh, Amharic to English translators. You mentioned doing translation work for, for nonprofits and human rights before turning to literature. I was wondering how your work on human rights advocacy has informed your work as a translator or influenced your work as a translator? Um, when you are translating, um, for, for example, for immigrants, um, you have to stay pretty neutral. Um, so you can't actually do advocacy when you're doing translation work. Um, but during my other works, which involved um, like um, working with civil organizations, that's when I could work in terms of advocacy and not as a translator. When I work as a literary translator, then I can advocate for, for example, the one I'm doing um, for my PhD and the kind of literary translation I do is from vernacular African languages which are hardly translated in, enough because when, when people mention African literature, usually it's literature written in international languages. So, for example, if you research for the top 10 African literature or African novels, um, all the novels that would come are like Chuna Achebe's or um, other Nigerians as African writers who write in English. So there's hardly any work being translated from vernacular African languages. That's the kind of advocacy work I want to do. Um, Kenyan uh, writer and translator um, Ngugi Wationgo, I'm not sure if I pronounce it right. He is um, the major like um, academic or literary person who advocates for writing of African literature in indigenous languages. And um, he has written in 
in his uh, indigenous language and has translate, self-translated his work. Apart from that, um, most of African literature is either written in English, French, or Portuguese, in, uh, basically in, um, depending when they are, where they are in the colonial languages, which are uh, considered as international languages. You said that your goal is to, quote, promote the translation of African vernacular literature and advocate for its rightful place in world literature, unquote. Um, and you have a podcast where you're doing that. It's called um, Journey to Ethiopia with a Story, uh, where you share stories from across Ethiopia's history that you've written or translated into English. Um, what drew you to the podcast format uh, in order to further that goal? Of, of promoting the translation of African vernacular literature? Um, well, in this day and age, um, the tradition of reading has really gone down because of um, technology, because of social media. Um, I'm talking about younger generation uh, people. And, it, you know, when I want to advocate, um, I thought the best media would be social media. Not only that, um, but um, people who have language barriers who will not understand Amharic uh, literature um, um, need um, to, you know, to be able to read or listen in um, uh, major languages, uh, international languages like English. Um, that's why I decided, and I'm not talking about. Um, uh, foreigners or just generally people elsewhere in the world. I'm talking about Ethiopians as well. Ethiopians in the diaspora who are second generation or third generation no longer uh, speak or uh, read in their um, national languages. So it's also a way of uh, letting them know their history, uh, encouraging them to find out more about uh, the literary history of their country. And I think that's the most effective way to do it because they're unable to read um, um, in their own languages. Um, I had to translate it. And because they're not that particularly interested in reading culture, I thought uh, social media would work better. How do you choose which stories to include in the podcast? Um, that's uh, a tough one. <laughs> um <laughs> When I translate um, at the beginning, I, I um, kind of chose uh, stories with um, universal plot um, because I thought, um, because Ethiopian culture is very distinct, um, um, it would be difficult to follow uh, or it, 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 sometimes it would be quite challenging to translate as well. So I tried to, to go uh, for stories with universal plot or and stories with, who ha, which has humor kind of um, and also historical uh, stories. Um, but um, like with Mulligata's story that I translated for Asymptote, and that was different. Um, it, it, it had, um, uh, it was quite complex, very, very cultural. And um, that was a challenge and I loved doing it as well. Let's talk about uh, Mulageta's story. Um, you co-translated 
the story uh, Heaven Without Prickly Pears for the summer 2021 issue of Asymptote with the story's author, uh, Mulageta Alabatro. How did you meet Alabatro, and uh, what was it like to work collaboratively on a translation? Ah, that is the beauty of technology. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'm based in Nepal, um, it's very difficult where there, there, there are very few Ethiopian community here. It's very difficult um, to work or to cooperate with people. Um, that's when uh, social media comes and um, I contact almost all of the authors uh, via social media. And um, also we work on, you know, um, on WhatsApp. Well, I have done, I have done production of not only, not only translation, but production of musical stories as well with musicians in Ethiopia, with the author based, with the Ethiopian author based in Canada. And me at the time was, uh, I was in the UK and we all did the work through WhatsApp. (laughs) So that's the beauty of technology. Yeah. In the story, uh, the narrator returns to his hometown and recalls memories of growing up, neighbors, friendships, food, and also violence. Um, It's filled with really specific, uh, as you mentioned, cultural, historical, geographical references as well. Can you give some context for the story and talk a little bit about how you navigated translating so many cultural references into English? Um. Yeah, um, because it was collaborative work, it was really um, easy and good because we would talk it over um, when we come across some difficult uh, concepts. Uh, one I can mention is um, this culture of women um, having um, gum tattoo, which we thought was a specific culture to Ethiopia and we didn't know how to translate it because we thought it would throw off the English uh, reader, you know. Uh, But then when I did a little bit of research, I found out that um, Senegalese people also do uh, uh, gum tattoos and also um, as a trend, um, um, people tattoo uh, in all sorts of places in their body, including the gum. So I thought to keep that one as it was, um, but, um, yeah, there are times where you find it really difficult to translate uh, um, a word that would capture the right sense. It will, be, uh, it will be a vague sense of what the Amharic says, which is really frustrating. So we would keep on working until we come to the right the, the the complete sense uh, finding a word that will tr- transmit the complete sense of what the writer wants to say um another example i can give is like when i was translating um re- requiem for potatoes um the requiem that was mentioned in the amharic version is a particular requiem um which was uh, composed by uh, a 6th century uh, composer in ethiopia and that particular requiem is so archaic that not only world readers but even ethiopian readers would not recognize it so using the word requiem is will be missing something 
will it will be missing that particular requiem. So it, as I go along into the story, I added the Amharic word for it. So if people are interested, they would have to research and find out what what that Amharic word means. It's it's particularly referring to that composer. So um, when you miss something like that, it's it's okay to use the the original word for it, uh, as long as there is um, a description of what it is alongside with Amharic term. It actually encourages readers to be active readers and investigate and research. Um, so I, I think every everything can be translated in that sense. The first anthology of Amharic poetry published in English called Songs We Learn From Trees just came out in 2020. Another compilation of short stories written in English um, by Ethiopian authors called Addis Ababa Noir came out that same year. You also have your first translated novel coming out soon called uh, The Lost Spell, originally written in Amharic by Ismaka Warku. Have you noticed an increased interest in Ethiopian literature in the English-speaking world in recent years? Um, because it's much easier to get a world readership if you write in an international language. There has been a trend, uh, but mostly by people living in uh, Ethiopian people living in the diaspora, to write in English. And they have done really well. And they had, uh, you know, got the kind of reception that... Um, they need. Um, but Songs We Learn From Trees, the collection of poetry, is the only book uh, among the ones that you mentioned that has been a translation, and that's beautifully done. Um, so I'd really like to see more. Um, as far as I know, um, my translation, uh, The Lost Spell, uh, is the only uh, novel that's been translated apart from one or two. That's it. Two or three books have been translated from Amharic into English, as far as I know. And that's that's nothing compared to the richness of Ethiopian literature. Uh, so I'd like to see more. As I mentioned, your translation of the novel, The Lost Spell, uh, by Ismaka Warku, is coming out soon. Um, an excerpt of that translation was actually published on Asymptote's blog last year. Can you talk about the book a little bit and why you chose it as your first uh, full-length translation? Yes. Um, yes, Marco Warku is a, a, a young writer who has been producing quite a lot of novels and poetry as well. He's, um, his style is um, kind of humorous, um, but with universal plot, uh, people can easily can understand his plot and his um, vocabulary, the way he uses um, his vocabulary is easy to understand. The Amharic, the way he writes his Amharic is easy to understand. Um, unlike um, other writers um, who use very complex um, concepts, uh, traditional concepts, uh, allegories and, uh, and and basically words that are quite um, difficult to translate. I found Yesimaaka's work uh, very easy to translate uh, and very humorous. Um, it also uses allegory, um, but in a straightforward way. 
So that's why I decided to translate that book. As we've talked about, there's a lot of great Ethiopian literature that hasn't been translated into English yet. Can you name some Ethiopian authors um, you'd like to translate in the future or that you think you should be translated? Oh, Steve, there are so many. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many, but um, Adan Retta is... um, um, he is very famous. Um, it's it's almost like a cult in Ethiopia now, with young people adoring this author. And um, he, his stories are not easy to read. It's, it's actually very challenging to read. But people um, value his um, uh, literary techniques, which he uh, kind of explores as he go, as he goes along, so I believe he's really contributed uh, to Ethiopian literature um, by taking it to a higher level, by um, exploring, by being um, innovative, and by not undermining his readers. Um, he and people love him for it. He's won awards, and uh, and I'd. I'd like to, I mean, in my PhD, I, I will be actually using him as a, um, as a, a research project and I'll be translating some of his work. Earlier, you mentioned how much you like history and you, I know you also write historical fiction, uh, short stories set in what's now Ethiopia. What drew you to that genre? <laughs> Ethiopia is very, very rich in history. Um, I mean, it goes back all the way to antiquity and um, literature or the, you know, the religious, mostly the religious literature from um, uh, ancient times have been documented and studied among scholars all over the world. And I'm very happy with that. Um, But um, it has not been... um, um, kind of rewritten, if I can use it, like you can reinvent um, those rich history and make it accessible to people because the um, the stories from ancient times are are not really that um, um, interesting for young readers or for modern readers. So I, actually, I was inspired by English uh, period drama. The British people keep going back to, um, you know, their pre-modern times, to their uh, colonial times, to uh, classical times, you know, and um, keep producing dramas that are that are watched by, you know, by people all over the world. And um, because of the richness of history in Ethiopia, you can do the same. You can reinvent uh, and uh, fictionalize or make documentaries out of it and make it accessible. And um, that's why I like historical fiction. Can you tell us about anything you're working on at the moment? Any new projects? Um, I'm doing this PhD uh, research. Um, uh, I'm also working on the um, podcast, the YouTube podcast. I actually uh, managed to interview... uh, um, and, and a writer and a translator who owns a publishing company in Ethiopia. And I was very excited about it because, it, like I said, it was very difficult to get uh, people to reply to me. And she was very willing 
um, to have uh, for me to interview her for International Translation Day, which is coming up in a couple of days. So it was a special uh, program on my podcast, and I'm very happy about that. Great. I look forward to listening to that. It sounds really cool. Thanks. Thank you so much for for joining me on, on my last episode of the podcast, Bethlehem. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me for your last podcast. <laughs> and now here's Mulageta Alabatro reading an excerpt of his story, Heaven Without Prickly Pears, in the original Amharic, followed by an excerpt of the English translation by Bethlehem Atfield. Be sure to check out the full story and many other great works of translation at asymptotejournal.com. Thanks so much for listening. በለሳልባገነት ሁለት ዛሬ ከነቴ በዘመን ኩሽና ውስጥ በልፍ አይነቶት ቤት የተሰራች የሆነ አይነት ልዩ ምግብ ሆነለች የሆነ ያረብኛ አሰል ጠብ ብሎበት የኦሮሚያ ሻቦይላሰ በትግርኛ ባኔ ታጀበ በጣሊያን ደም በሹታ የሚበላ በአማርኛ ሳህን ይቀርበ ያፋር የበከል ጥብስ መጠሪያው በየዘመኑ የታደሰ አንደበቷም በልፍ ቋንቋ እየተለቀመ በብዙ ስሞች ውስጥ አልፋለች ገነቴ የጁ ወልዲያ ይሄኛው የሁሉ መገናኛ መሆኑን ያስተዋሉ ከፊንፊኔና ከዚያ በታች ካለው ክፍለ ሀገር የመጡ ኦሮሞች የኦቦ ወሎ አባትና አያቶች አውጡላስም ነው እንዴ አንዱ መጥቶ ሌላው ሲሄድ በ18 ቋንቋና በልፍ አይነት ባህል የተነቀሰ ጉራማሊዮን ሸሽጋ እየተሽኮረመች ከጎንደር በር ደብረ ገሊላ ተዘረጋች ለጥቁሩሃ ከመትገበረው ሸሊዮን ዝትዩ የሚሄደው ሄጎዳና ሽንጧ ነው ከደብረ ገሊላ እስከ ቲምፋዝ ጣሊያን ያጠፈው ቀጭን አስፋልት የካትራሚ ቫዝሊን የተቀባ ጥቁር ክንዷ ነው ከደፋርጌ እስከ ሙጋድ ማንም ሰሞነኛ ሳዳሪዋ ሲመጣ የምታነሳለት መንታግሮ ነው አረቦች የመሰረቱት የንግድ መንደር ሙጋድ ዳሊዋ ላይ የተሰፋ ኪሷ ነው ከዳሊዋ ከፍ ብሎ የገነተ አብራክ የመሰለች የሁሉ ማከል የከተማይን የጥንት ስሞች አጣምራ ያዘች ኩንስንስ ሰፈሬ የጁ ገነት እዚህ ሰፈር በጥቁር አይነርግብ ሸፍነው መhall ላይ ቢጥሉኝ በኮቴያቸው ድምጽ ለይቼ አብሮ አደጎችን ሰላም ይያልኩ ታዲያ አሰረከ አዲስ ዘላልሰራህም ርቦይን ሳፋሽክ ስታይን ቁራሽ ማትነፍከኝ ኒሃጂን ድሪስ ልጅ ሀውለትን ያመሰገንኩ እግዚአብሔር ስትልኝ አውለትዋ እንደጉድ ወይ እንደ አብዴሚያኝ የሰፈር ሰው ጋር ሲደርስ ይለይላቸው ብዬ ከልጅነቴ ድቁና ትምርት በማስተዋወሰው ግዕዛፍ እዘባርቃለሁ ታብ ያአቢ እምነ አራዊት ወንዝዛት አልፍያቸው ሲሄድም ከንፈር መጠጣቸው ያሳቀኝ If I were to be blindfolded with a dark veil and dropped at the center of this village, I would identify my childhood friends by their footsteps and I would greet and chit-chat with them. How's it going, Sarega? Have you painted anyone yet? I would recognize Howlett, Haji Indris's daughter, who never denied me food whenever she saw me yawning from hunger, and I'd say, "May God give you more, Howlettwa." When I come across residents of the village who choose to perceive me either as eccentric or mad, I'll rumble on the little girls I remember from childhood studies to become a deacon. And when I walk past them, their pity would make me laugh, and I would say, Oh, beautiful daughters of Ganate, 
Do not weep for me, weep for yourselves. When people are in need of a coolie and they call out for one, using the term that lingers from the times of the socialist regime, proletariat, I would humbly comply. Blindfolded as I were, I would guide blind people who went off track and in return get their blessings. May you be spared from days of affliction. May you be delivered from having to do penance, son, they would say. Without exaggeration, I would gate home or the Ulaga tree near Ida's bakery, my usual spot, without a hitch, my hands in my pockets and a carefree whistle of a tune on my lips. The Asymptote Podcast is produced by me, Steve Lehman, with music by the Blue Dot Sessions. Big thanks to Bethlehem Atfield for the conversation and the English excerpt, and to Mulageta Alabacho for his reading in Amharic. Thanks once again to Katya Olsen-Shipyatsky for her indispensable feedback. I also want to give one final thank you to everyone who's listened and contributed to this podcast over the past year. It's been a real pleasure, and I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I have. Until next time... This was the Asymptote Podcast.